Welcome to the Powering Real Estate Podcast, sessions with top real estate business leaders and their strategies for success. Learn from some of the best in the industry. Join Lee Adkins as he talks to industry leaders on how they built and maintain their real estate business. All right, I'm here today with Dan Corkle, the CEO of Follow Up Boss. How are you today, Dan? Hey Lee, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm great. Good, good. I'm really excited to uh, to dive in with you. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the Follow Boss product, and then let's talk a little bit about what you did before that, and then we'll we'll dive deep. Yeah, sure. Well, basically, you know, we're sales technology for real estate agents. We're a CRM, but we're very focused on like the sales workflow. So, like making calls, you know, uh, transferring calls, text, group text, like all the kind of things you need to do um, as an agent as a salesperson. And yeah, we got started back in 2011. I'm from Australia originally, so I'm not. I wasn't a real estate agent in the U.S. or anything like that. I came over here and, you know, was talking to a lot of people in real estate, trying to understand what their problems were. And you know, ten years ago, online leads were just really kicking off. They were becoming a big thing. You know, people buying a lot of leads from Google and Zillow and Realtor.com. I think the software in the industry just really hadn't caught up. Like it was really still based around like, you know, what we use like 20, 30 years ago in terms of, you know, my business is going to come from my sphere and, you know, I'm not going to work in a team. I'm going to like, just, it's going to be me, a single agent in a brokerage. Right. And over the last 10 years, obviously teams have exploded. And I think there's, there's, there's been like a ton more specialization of roles in terms of like inside sales agents, you know, listing versus buyers agents you know, team leaders and, you know, just basically this new structure of like these, these productive teams. And um, also just the online leads have just gotten more and more every single year for the last, you know, probably 15 years, right? So yeah, our software really deals a lot with online leads and how you can bring them, you know, automatically into the system. And there just really wasn't anything doing that 10 years ago. So yeah, that's how we kind of got into it. We sort of saw that problem and thought there was a bit of an opportunity there for, you know, just to automate some things and make it better. And, and, you know, I think we also talked to a lot of people in the industry and they weren't super happy with like the ease of use of products they were using, like the customer service they were getting, you know, a lot of things I think people were paying for and it wasn't really helping them day to day in their business. So yeah, again, that's just how we got into it. And 10 years is in some ways, it's been a long time, but it, you know, it's been a lot of work, but it's also just flown by like, it, you know, it's hard to really think that was a whole decade ago. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, no, for sure. That's great. And that's one of the things I always tell people too about, about the platform is it's it's so team friendly. I mean, it's designed to have different levels of different permission levels, different, you know, if you have an ISA, you can control kind of what they can see and what they can do. It is, it's really a collaborative tool and it, it's been been fun to see it grow. Um, give us a little of your background before follow-up boss, if you're good with that, and then we'll... we'll uh, We'll dig in. Yeah, sure. I mean, I grew up in Australia. I was, I did like sort of a degree in finance. I, I thought I was kind of into computers from like a pretty early age, you know, like, you know, when I was 10, you know, 11, 12, like sort of, it's pretty young. You know, this is when the internet's sort of also kicking off, right? Like 20 years ago is really the, you know, all the programs like ICQ and I don't know, like all the, all the things from back in the day. We, you know, on dial up internet, obviously. So I just found it like fascinating. Um, I didn't really think I was ever going to go and work in computers though. I sort of at university, I, I went and did like a business degree finance because I was sort of like, you know, I sort of thought like, well, that's what IT people do. And IT, 
in Australia, it's not a very sexy industry, really. It's like kind of, it's kind of like the guys in the server room, you know, like they're not really, do, you know, they're kind of keeping your email running. Like that was sort of my impression of it, right? But it's like, they don't, they don't really have an important job to do. So, you know, I initially sort of like veered purposefully away from doing something with computers. Like I wanted to learn more about the business world uh, and everything like that. So yeah, I went into do, do a few different jobs after that. And like I worked in finance for a little bit. I, you know, that didn't work out well when, you know, 2008 sort of came around, right? There's a lot of downsizing. And there was like, actually, there's 11 people in my department. Everyone got fired except for me. And I think they were just like, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I guess it didn't like that, but I felt good. They're like, oh, wow, they value me so much. I think I was just like the sucker that would do the most work for the least <laughs> amount of pay. Right. It's probably honestly what it really was. But yeah, so after that, I got into a lot of online marketing, you know, doing, I did get back into the computer world. I thought like digital marketing, this is really interesting. You know, I just saw the opportunity there. A lot of people had terrible websites still today. You know, I'm sure a lot of people do. There's a lot of things that can be optimized to actually help them get more business. And, you know, the internet obviously has just continued to explode and now has really taken over all of our lives, you know, for the most part. And so, yeah, I got into that for a little bit. And then, you know, when I when I got out of that job was really when me and my co-founder decided to start a business and just start looking for, yeah, start looking for problems to solve, really. And that's, you know, we, we ended up coming up with, you know, talking to a lot of real estate people and getting into this. That's great. Yeah, it really, and the timing was really great because I think enough people had heard you need a CRM for years and years and years. And, you know, we're, we're I think, finally ready. More, more people were ready to okay, like this is now not a luxury. This is something I'm going to have, you know, have to have. And, and back to your point really quick about the ease of of processing the new leads. I think that's where you guys were really successful in that you made it easy to get the leads in. It wasn't reliant on data entry or, or you know, anything like that. So, Absolutely. It's sort of like one of the early insights was just like, if this is, has to be done manually by salespeople every day, they're not going to do it. You know, it has to be or everything that we can make automatic, we will because it's, I mean, one, it's just more convenient. But two, we just saw that as such a failure point of like all the other systems, it just didn't happen. So Right. Yeah, that's the key to adoption. You know, no, no question. So, it, you know, a lot of my guests and people I talk to are, are people who are, are more in the real estate space, specifically as in, you know, in production or owning a company. You know, I think you're especially interesting um, person to talk to in this regard, because number one, you run a company, a pretty big company. Um, but number two, you have insight into all these other real estate businesses and how people run teams and brokerages. So I want to do best that I can. I want to try for us to kind of talk through both of those cases as we go, but let's start with, with building a culture. Like you guys have always been remote at follow up boss. I think from, from the get go, you guys have a number of employees in different countries. Even talk to me a little bit about how you guys have been able to kind of just maintain that culture as, as you grow. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we've always been remote. As you say, we're mostly in the U S we do have a few people in other countries, but I think that sort of helps you know, a fair bit as well, because everyone still is from the same, like we're not, we actually want to hire, you know, a bit more internationally in future. But like right now, we're not really dealing with people in Paris that are speaking French or, you know, anything like that. So we still are pretty much all from, you know, even from, I'm from Australia, it's, it's a very similar culture, you know, to the US, there's obviously differences. So yeah, you know, I think a lot of what we've done 
right is f- trying to find the right people. And that didn't happen initially. You know, I definitely made a lot of hiring mistakes and, you know, even just management mistakes. Like I was a poor manager and I wasn't, wasn't holding people accountable. And, you know, we didn't have good training because we were just a new company and like I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So, you know, there's all that stuff that happens. But I think over time, we've really gotten better at identifying and finding the right people who, who share similar values around customer service you know, working hard, doing the right things. And, you know, I think that's a lot of, you know, getting those right people in helps. There's practical things we do like day-to-day and week-to-week as well. I think, you know, celebrating your wins, acknowledging people publicly, like they're just saying, right, like people do more for recognition than they will for money. And yeah, I've become a, you know, a pretty big believer in that. Money's still important. You've got to pay people well, but, you know, that recognition is not there. I think even myself, I would say it's probably one of my weaknesses over the years. I haven't always given people enough like positive reinforcement, like, hey, you're doing a good because I'm just sometimes I'm in my head and I'm thinking about what the business needs next and you know, everything I've got going on. I think you've definitely got to make space for that as a leader. Like make sure you are acknowledging the people that are doing a great job. And yeah, just you know, kind of setting them up to be more successful. We do something at Follow Up Boss called the GOAT Award, greatest of all time. So like you get acknowledged in front of the whole company. It's generally, I think, about two people per quarter. So it's, you know, it's not it's not like, hey, we're just gonna go around and give this to every single person. Like, you know, because that's that's when you sort of get like fake awards and right. oh let, let's include everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that. It's like you've stood out amongst every out of a company of you know, people that are doing great things, like you stood out. So that it, that means something, right? And that's a little bit how honestly, like I've always given feedback. It's like I think it's even a bit of the Australian culture is like you're expected to be competent at your job and do a good job actually. And if you do something excellent and amazing, yeah, you'll get you get some recognition for that. But don't expect just to like turn up and do your job well and, and you know have people praising you all the time. And again, I think that's a little bit of a cultural difference between you know other countries and other other places. Like I think there are and even people within within our company or within the US. There, there's different levels of needing acknowledgement, right? There are people in our company that need like almost pract- almost none. Like if you give them some positive words like once a year, that they will be set for, you know, they're just, they're just, they're very happy with that. Um, and there's people that just need much more, um, you know, much more uh, regular feedback. And so, um, yeah, I think that's important probably to identify in your real estate team or organization. Like, you know, who are the people that I know are good and like they're, you know, very self-motivated and who are those people who just need a little bit of extra encouragement and feedback and, you know, all that kind of stuff. People are motivate, motivated by different things for sure. We also use a product called Know Your Team, which lets you basically give a shout out to um, anyone else in the company. So like I could give you a shout out to, hey, Lee, thanks. That was such a great podcast you know, like if, if we work together or thanks for helping me with this problem or like, hey, that event in um, at the EXP conference was so awesome. Thanks guys for making that amazing. And everyone can see those. So that's another cool thing we do. You don't have to have a separate piece of software. Like you could do this in Slack. You know, you could just do it in a group text with everyone. Whatever the way is you communicate with your company you could be doing this. But I think you got to find space for it and time for it. Like, People aren't just going to suddenly start doing it. So you've got to start saying like, hey, guys, let's do this once a week or like it's, it's shout out Saturday or whatever the case may be, you know, to, to basically get it happening. Yeah, I, there's two things that occur to me there. I think one is that that is where you can lead by example. You know, even if it's not your natural go to, if you do a little bit of that, then other people are going to do it. And it, it, it really it really is a ripple. And, and I can relate a lot to what you're saying, too, because I think a lot of people that are achievers don't want to stop 
moving forward, you kind of alluded to this, they don't want to stop the good work and the good moving forward to go back and something that's already happened. But it is it is really important. And I, I see that a lot in the industry too, you know, all these high, you know, high D driven real estate people, they're just going 100 miles a minute for the next sale. And sometimes they stop to, in, you know, forget to stop to in, enjoy the, you know, hey, we just had a record month, like, we can celebrate Absolutely. that for three minutes and then. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I think that's important. Like, and one thing that I've done, I don't do it like religiously or anything, but like sometimes, cause I, I realize that I don't celebrate wins. And so I think if you can maybe write down uh, some wins either personally or as a team, or maybe even both and say, Hey, once we reach this sales goal, I'm going to celebrate by doing X or as a team, we're going to do X. And I think that's, you know, I think sometimes you need that. Otherwise, like you say, it can be a bit easy to be like, great, we hit that goal. What's the next goal? And, you know, both are important. I think, yes, I don't know. Maybe that's something practical. Like I need to take my own advice and make sure we've got all that and I'm doing that. Um, but in the past, it, honestly, it's just been simple things like, oh, cool. Once we reach this level of revenue, I'm going to buy myself a new sound system because like I want that. But I'm going to motivate my, I'm not just going to go buy it today, even though I could, right? But that's going to be what I'm going to try and tie to, you know, that goal. Yeah, totally. And that is the thing about real estate in particular, uh, or really, I guess, any business. There, there, It's easy to either miss those benchmarks or to kind of preempt them, especially in a commission real estate business. Like, oh, well, we're having a great year. We're just going to do this. But but no, I, I, I think those are all, you know, really, really good points. I think, you know, I've interacted with a lot of people at Follow Up Boss, and I always have a great experience. I mean, from the customer service or support, you know, ask a quick question or whatever. I mean, it is even even from a consumer perspective, like when I reach out to support, after that, you guys send me a, a thing that says, hey, how was, you know, I'll make up a name. How was Jeremy? And it says, you know, should we reward, should we give him a cup of coffee or, you know, right, give, right. Give, buy him lunch or give him a day off? And uh, yeah, I think those, those little things are, are not so little. Yeah, sure. Even like one thing we do there. And and so again, it's asking for a review. I mean, you can do that in real estate as well, right? Ask for a review how the transaction went, you know, from the consumer. And so you could, you could as a team leader, you should be sending that to them saying, hey, we just want to know if there's anything we could improve. And then when you get great reviews, obviously, then you share those publicly so that other people see that, um, other people that may be thinking of doing business with you, but also just your team, share it publicly with the team. So, so again, you're reinforcing that, hey, we're a customer-orientated company. Right, um, right. Like, we care what, what you say. And and even though you probably always have a good experience, if, if you don't, we want to hear that too. And so you do it consistently. It's not just that, like, oh, we send it out when it seems like a good one, which is what a lot of, a lot of people do. Exactly. I mean, that's even more valuable. When you get feedback, that you can action to become better. You know, again, that's a learning opportunity. And, like, everyone should be thinking like that. I mean, I think... Um, I wouldn't say we're perfect at it. Sometimes, you know, you can take critical feedback too personally, right? But again, you've got to always try and look at it as like, hey, what could we do better next time to, you know, prevent this? Um, at the end of the day, like my co-founder says something that I love is just like culture is ultimately just what you do every day, right? It's not what you say. It's not what's in your mission statement. It's like, hey, if someone has a problem, is that now our problem? Or do we treat it as like, oh, that sucks. Lee, you've got a problem with you know, your email or something like we've, we've always tried to never approach it that way. But, but yeah, that's, that's how you know what culture you have. It's, it's what you're actually doing, not just what you're saying and 
you know. Yeah, that's that's a that's a brilliant quote. I'm 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 glad that you said that. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that and use it myself too. Um, so speaking of like when you guys were 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 smaller or younger or whatever you want to call it, like what are some things that you you wish you knew or maybe things that you learned the hard way? Kind of going. I mean, I remember I was a user early on. I remember I would ask support questions and they'd be like, I don't know, we're gonna ask Dan. <laughs> like, <we don't> know. <laughs> so like, what are things that that just you know, if you could, if you could go back eight years and tell yourself things to do, what are some of those? Yeah, absolutely. That's a fun one. I, I think it's really around people. Like I just, I alluded to it a little bit before, like I wasn't that experienced. I'd never been a manager, even at any of my other jobs I'd had really, like I'd managed maybe some web contractors or things like that, but never really like, you know, a proper manager of people full time. And so, yeah, just didn't really have tons of experience with hiring and, you know, finding the right people and then motivating them and training them. And so I I think the biggest thing, though, would be like, I I wouldn't wish that I was better at training people and managing people like that would that would be nice. I would wish I just was more I found better people. Right. Because in in like in the software world or even growing a real estate team, when things are small, there's still a lot of things to work out and things are going to change very rapidly. And so you kind of need the person that can, that can thrive in that environment versus someone that's like, Dan, I need you to tell me exactly how to do this. I like, you more need the person that can work it out. Right. And so those people, um, honestly, they're just more expensive. Like I was probably spending, I I wasn't paying anywhere near the, the, like the the salaries we pay today. Uh, One, because I didn't have much money. Right. But two, like I just was nervous, right? Like, oh, what if I get this person and I'm paying them $80,000 a year? And then what if something goes wrong with the business? I have to fire them, you know? Or like, so I just, you know, that, that's something I would do a lot faster. It's just how do I find those right people I can get on board and trust? And then how can I delegate things to them? You know, how can I get things off my plate and make sure that I am, you know, this, it's a bit cliche at this point, but working on the business instead of working in the business. And that's, you know, that's something that's always, like, I wouldn't even say I'm 100% working on the business today. There's still like a lot of work I do inside the business. But yeah, that's something that I should have given up a lot of things uh, earlier. That being said, I do see people give things up too early. And it's like, wow, you don't even understand how your own business works because you've just hired these people. And if those people aren't just amazing and you're never going to need to know how that thing works, like it it can become very problematic or dysfunctional as well. So it's they're just sort of like, there's a balance there. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, there's definitely a sweet spot with that. Um, and I know you mean, I think too many people in real estate do, you know, try to hire somebody. And unfortunately, sometimes people that don't maybe have the experience and say, okay, you, you, I don't even know what I want, but you go figure it out. Yeah, that's 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 an impossible task, right? Right. So, it's never going to go well. I mean, to be fair, I was kind of in that role, and I was I was I was lucky enough to I don't know if I say have or take the autonomy to just do it, but that's not normal by any stretch. But I I know for you, I mean, you know, again, I've been been you know connected to using the company, you know, for for a long time, and it has been great for me. To definitely see you go through kind of that that growth. I mean, I, I I'm very comfortable saying that you're the CEO of Follow Boss. You know, there was a time before when you were, I mean, literally, you would have to answer some support tickets and you did have to hop into some, you know, conversations and some things that some marketing things, some things that weren't ideally 
you know, you, but it, it's been fun to see that growth and to see the people, you know, under you or, or the managers that have, that have come along and really own that side of the business. I mean, I, you know, it's funny, I still, you know, talk to your team a fair amount and I don't talk to you much at all. <laughs> I, I wish I did. I miss catching up with you. But, you know, if I need help with a certain thing, I know that, you know, that's somebody else on the team. So, so kudos to you for, for building that. But I think by the same token, tell, talk to me a little bit more about the transition from being more of a manager to truly more of a leader. Because when you're a leader, you don't have a bunch of tasks necessarily. And it's, it's a different, it's a different, different gig. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think even in some ways, like I was never really a strong manager at the company, like, but it was definitely in the founder role. And I think that's what I've been working on is like, how do I go from being a great founder and getting the company off the ground to being a great CEO and really leading us forward and not, and, and yeah, letting other people step up and handle more of the day to day challenges and work, create room for them. And, you know, again, like, I think that's something I'm still learning. Like, you know, we're a company of like, you know, we're going to be probably like about 70 people, you know, probably uh, pretty soon. We're about 66 or so right now. And there's still like, there's a very small company, right? Like there's CEOs of companies that have like 100,000 employees, right? So it's, you know, it's still like, you've got to, you know, there's got to be some like, I, I just see some people where they're like, they have these online businesses, maybe they've got like three part-time employees and, you know, five full-time, you know, just a very small team basically. And they're saying they're the CEO and, you know, they're posting pictures of themselves in, you know, Lambos or helicopters. It's just, it's just funny to me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think some of those changes is basically letting go of a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff and to hiring people that are better than you, right? So I'm not looking for, again, maybe that was like, you know, early on, like I wasn't really doing that. Again, maybe it was budget, maybe it was just experience. Maybe it's also, we didn't really have a track record. Like, why would someone come and work for me, this random dude from Australia that's trying to start a software company? Now we've got a track record. We can actually attract a lot more uh, stronger people. And so, yeah, that, I mean, I really am looking for like, how do I just bring on people that are better than me at certain things? So like we brought on Ricardo this, um, this year to help us manage partnerships and events. And he's way better at that stuff than me. He loves actually doing it. I think that was one of the powerful things I realized. Like, not only are there people that are better than me at all these things, they actually love doing it more than me. And I think that's just empowering. And like, sometimes that's even the more boring things. Like, some people don't want to be on stage and doing partnerships and all that stuff. They just want to be like a transaction manager. And, and they're, they love like getting the details right and just, you know, handling the back office side of it. And th that's cool as well. And you got to, you got to find those right fits. So, yeah, no, that's great. And it, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up Ricardo. Cause I was just thinking about you guys have a really great balance. It seems from people that you've promoted internally and people you found from the outside who were, who were clearly the right people, but that came in from, from somewhere else. Do you guys have kind of a, I don't know, if a, it's not a policy, but do you have kind of a philosophy, I guess, on, on promoting from within versus, you know, hiring from, from outside? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I think it just sort of happened a bit naturally and being a little bit based on the position. We don't have like a policy of like, oh, we must do X, X, and X each time. I think like what we think about though is like, oh, we need to get someone for partnerships. Great. Is there someone in the company already that would be awesome at that? And we could move them into that. And so, you know, an example was uh, recently we moved uh, Paul from our support team to our marketing team. 
because he's we, we always knew he was amazing at videos and so now he's doing a lot more of those creating a lot more of those videos for us and you know really i mean i think he's happier in that role and really is doing much more for the business but by, by, by like you know uh, bringing that special skill set to the table right so we do look around internally i think though as we get bigger the question becomes a little bit like not just has someone done something before, but have they done it at the scale we need? So um, like, for example, like we're, we're looking to hire like a director or a VP of sales um, next year. And so I'm not looking to get someone in the company that's never done it before and promote them to that. Like I need someone that can come in and tell, you know, us really how it should be. And what I'm really looking for is someone that's done it and taken a company from where we are to being two times, three times, four times, five times bigger because then they're going to come in and they're going to find the job super easy. Whereas I bring in that person, even from outside, that doesn't quite have that experience or track record, then it's a bit more of a roll of the dice because it can work, you know, but I'm, I'm also leaving a lot to chance, right? And I can't really leave those kind of positions to chance. So yeah, you know, again, we're, we're looking around internally, but I think there are certain positions where it's like, we need you to be able to produce these results and the best possible indicator of that is if you've produced those results before so sure yeah that makes sense it's more more of like a three to five x jump instead of a you know hey you you could probably do it you'd probably be good at this and i, I think that also really relates to real estate teams because i think people will on some level real estate's amazing because you can swipe your credit card for a couple of hundred bucks and get a get a license and so that does, you don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have, you know, special background or skills or whatever necessarily. It does provide opportunity for people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have necessarily been on paper like, oh, yeah, you're you're the guy. But I think also to your point, you know, if you if, if one of the parties doesn't have a clear vision, you know, if you're if, if you as a business owner, like I need a buyer's agent and that can be any newly licensed kid then great that works but if there's no plan if you're just like we're growing you're a good agent come on over and we'll figure it out you mentioned this and i want to kind of reiterate it like if that's what you need to do for the very first round then awesome do it get you somebody write down some of the stuff you do to onboard them like use it as a as a stepping stone but yeah the clearer you get on your business and the roles and your strengths you know the more you can can kind of hire to that. Can you speak to that at all? I don't want to get too personal or too, too deep, but like, as far as like strengths and, and hiring, you know, against your strengths, I mean, do you have anything you kind of personally do to say like, Hey, I'm really not good at this thing or to kind of assess, you know, where you are with things? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, I, that's a tough one for me. I'd honestly it can have be a reading real- or like a coach or like some just perspective of somebody saying, you know, like, Hey, that's not your thing, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely think there's things I don't like doing. Like, I didn't like speaking on stage. I've done it a few times before. Um, it just, for me, it's just so much like prep and like, you know, I think it's just not my thing. Like, I don't, I really want to be up on stage. I'm fine with that. Like, um, I think some people that really love that, again, like, I, I want to work with those people so that, you know, they can really do what they love and I can be, you know, contributing in the ways I love. So that's something, I mean, that's the kind of thing where I'm a little bit more, you know, I'd rather be a little bit more behind the scenes rather than, you know, up on stage, you know, speaking to a thousand people or whatever, like that's my nightmare, right? Instead of, you know, some people, they love doing that. 
you know, I think, you know, weaknesses, um, I, I probably need to do more of an audit, but, you know, I do think there's some things like, you know, in this, this kind of like idea of manager versus leader as well. There, there's some of those things that I was mentioning before, like not giving people enough praise. And that's where I'm glad we've got really great managers in the company that do a much better job of that. Like, Lee, how are you feeling today? Like, Lee, is there anything you need? You know, more thinking about the people that just were working directly under them. I, I just, it, again, it's a little bit harder for me to do because sometimes like I'm thinking about, you know, all the things that are going on. And, but though, you know, I would say it's a weakness. Like I should be doing some more check-ins with some of my direct reports and giving them more feedback. So yeah, some of that, I mean, I think it's honestly like for a lot of entrepreneurs, they do struggle with a lot of those management related tasks. So again, like that's, that's some of the stuff I probably need to work on improving um, versus just being this crazy founder, you know, to like being a better CEO and manager and yeah, making sure I'm doing all those, those sort of like uh, regular management things. If that makes sense. But you guys, you guys have definitely hired to those gaps though. I mean, there are people that are managers that, you know, I don't know how much you, you do or even need to interact with them, but there certainly are people on the team who are managers. I want to be you know, subtle about mentioning names, but there are people on the team who are, who are managers who do a great job of making sure people have what they need, that they're onboarding. I mean, I know you guys have promoted some people internally. I mean, same, similar roles, but promoted some people internally um, because they've done a great job and they've been visible and they, you know, have, have like you said, have, have, have found opportunities, you know. Absolutely. I mean, we have people that have started in support and then now like product managers. Megan, who runs like our entire like customer facing organization, about 30 people plus, um, started in support. And she just was working as a regular support person, you know, didn't come on saying like, Dan, I need to be promoted to this in two years. I think just, you know, like a lot of people that are being promoted here, it's like they're working hard, they're smart people. Um, they're always looking to up-level their skills. They're always taking responsibility. And they just sort of, they get the results. And then I think that's how you make it happen for yourself. Like I sometimes, um, I was chatting with someone the other day about, you know, people that just, they, they work places for a long time and then they're just maybe frustrated they didn't get promoted or whatever. But it's like, a lot of that is you just got to make it happen. And um, we try as much as possible to be a meritocracy where it's not about like how many years you've been here how much we like you as a person right it's it's about like are you the right person you know are you doing a great job basically are you getting the results can we trust you and it's, it's a little bit tough sometimes as well because sometimes there are really great people that but we only can promote so many people to managers right we don't we don't need 60 managers so it's um that that can be a little bit tough but the good thing is we're a growing company and so there is more opportunity created as you grow and the other thing like i always think about like just Personally, like when I, whenever I was working at a company, even if you're not going to like move up within that company, you can still move up. You want to be always refining your skills, getting better, building a better uh, reputation, because then you're going to move up at any other company. Like for example, like I met my co-founder at my last job. Like the last job I had, I was like, my title was like online marketing coordinator or some, some BS like that, right? And I didn't make much money. Like I think. You know, Australian, it might have been like 50 or 60K a year. Maybe it's a little bit more at the end. I can't remember. It was probably even less than 60K. I can't remember exactly. But which in US dollars, it's like, I don't know, 40K a year or something. It's, it's not a high paying job. So I went from that to founding follow up boss. And, but if I didn't do a great job there, Tom, my co founder, would never have wanted to partner with me. Right. So you see, like, you're creating opportunities for yourself. And I think sometimes people are just, 
I don't know, maybe just too short-term thinking or, um, yeah, I don't yeah, know, get I, too caught up in it. I, I, yeah, I, I really want to dig a little more into that. And that occurred, that two big pieces that occurred to me, I want to start on the agent side because I think too many people, and I don't know if I've ever told this part of my story, I'll, I'll give the short version of it, but like too many people, I think, like don't want to join a team because they feel like they're going to lose their personality. They can't brand themselves. They have to, you know, now I'm just stuck on this team. And to your point, that's very short-sighted because like, okay, maybe you are stuck on that team for six months or a year or whatever. If they create an opportunity for you to grow, and I counsel people on this all the time, like you have to create a path to growth to keep good people. Like they can't be a buyer's agent for seven years because they're they're going to leave. But I think similar to what you said, there's a lot of onus on that agent to take it. I mean, an example, you know, for me is pretty early on, I ended up, I joined a team after I got my license. I was solo for a minute with a mentor and I joined a team. Teams were still very, very, very new. Had a great relationship, you know, with the gentleman that started the team. And around the time that I ultimately left and, and came out of production and went into operations, um, we were essentially partners. I mean, we were we were not on paper partners, but we were pretty equal. We would bounce ideas off each other. You know, I was definitely not the kid or the buyer's agent or whatever anymore. I, I was a a part of the company, and so I think number one as a leader to create that opportunity, be open to that idea. But exactly what you said, just for for the agent or the the person, the staff person, the assistant, whoever to seize that opportunity and, 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 you know, do a great job and be recognized. And if you're not recognized, you know, it becomes a great thing on your resume. And if you are, then, you know, maybe you own the company one day. Yeah. I think like what we just talked about is even more real, relevant for real estate than I think just a general employee, because if you're an agent and you do an amazing job, guess what that means? Like people are actually going to try and recruit you into other teams and they've got to have to recruit you, they've got to have more to offer you, right? So you're creating opportunity for yourself. Oh, like I've, I like one of my friends wants to buy a house. Do I refer them to the most average agent I know? Right. Of course not. Like right. that's ridiculous, right? right. Like, so this guy's it's all so, right. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that like um, I, I think it even applies more because you're in such a smaller sphere of you know the real estate world in your local area. And then again, like people are always going to have opportunities and they've got to offer those opportunities to someone. And that someone is going to be the, the people they know are doing a great job or the people they can trust or the people that they can see are hungry. You know, it's not going to be the person who, you know, whatever, like treats, treats their job as like a nine to five and like, don't, you know, at 501, I'm out of here, right? Like that, why would you give the opportunity back? Right. Like it just, unfortunately it's not how the world works or maybe fortunately right it's i think some some people need to be realistic and then it's not even about hours work it's like how effective are you at those hours are you getting the right results so yeah i think the thing that real estate example is just it's even more true i would say yeah no i i agree with that and i think you know two other pieces of that for one the upside is so much bigger and a commission only business where you're getting a percentage of a very large number, you know, the opportunity for that, for the upside um, is huge. But, but similar to what you said earlier too, the entrepreneurial side of it, it is unlimited. You could open a brokerage and have a hundred agents. You could have a massive team. You could, 
you know, shift into commercial real estate or be a consultant for people. Like there's so, there's literally unlimited opportunity. And quite frankly, it's a blessing and a curse, but there's not a lot of framework, right? Like you could do anything. <laughs> you could, you could find that little, you know, that little tiny niche or that, that platform. I and mean, we see it more and more, right? There's all these, all these software companies now in real estate from transaction management type things to lead follow-up and all these things. And, and they're great, but it's all these people that are involved in this industry that found this little, you know, oh, people don't text back fast enough. How are we going to solve that problem? Oh, the, the contract to close process isn't very smooth. How do we fix that? Yeah, and I, I love that. And, and back to follow boss a little bit, you guys, I think, also do a great job being open. I mean, you hired someone to manage and create more partnerships. So you guys are really into the integrations um, and being kind of best in class connected to the other best in class. And I think that's a that's also a smart way to be. Yeah, it's like a philosophy. I think it's a value of ours of like, let's not try and do everything. Let's work with... I mean, I, I knew some of this from my like background in, in just in digital marketing. In digital marketing, stuff changes all the time, like multiple times a year there's going to be like major updates from Google or Facebook or whatever. And so, yeah, I, I mean, our approach to building like follow-up boss is like, we have to integrate with everything because we don't know what's coming tomorrow, but all we know is that we're going to integrate it when it comes. Right. So I think the other cool thing is like, now that we're, um, you know, we've been around for 10 years, we have a lot of great agents and teams on us. We're now one of the platforms, which, because pe people go out to the marketplace and they survey their customers and they say, who should we integrate with? And then when they hear back like follow-up us a lot, then that's where they go is their number one stop for integration. So it's kind of like a cycle that feeds on itself a little bit. But yeah, it's an interesting thing as well, maybe for people to think about in their own business. Because I know a lot of real estate teams, like they have a lot of success and they start a mortgage business and a title business. And, you know, I think in a lot of cases, that's smart. Like you can, you know, you can have these complementary services and businesses, et cetera. Um, sometimes though, like, I think you, you really shouldn't start there, right? Like if you think of like Richard Branson, he has like, I don't know how many businesses that guy has like hundreds, right. That use his brand and his name. He's not running them obviously, but he started with one business like Virgin records and did that for 10 years. So I think that's, I would just say like that, that would be like my advice on that front is like, you can, you can always branch out and do more of these opportunities and things later, but don't do it too early. Like get really good at one thing and make that a success. And then that's going to leverage you into like other things. If, if, if you even want to, like, I think there's also a lot of power in just staying focused on one, uh, one business. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think that that also brings us back a little bit to the hiring the talent or hiring people that are either better at, at that or more interested in, in that thing than you, because yeah, in theory, if you can bring up an agent from, Hey, you're a buyer's agent. Hey, you're a listing specialist. Hey, you're a mentor. Hey, you're running this team now. Then you can go off and start a coaching business, or start or do that mortgage joint venture, or, or open another branch in another state. And I think a lot of that does, you know, obviously there's a mindset component, but I think yeah, by the same token, you know, a lot of people are thinking like, oh, when I get my team to five people, that's some magical finish line. I think not enough people are thinking like, hey, what if I had five locations in five states and then you know it it it, it kind of comes with it but it's all a process you know it's all a process we're all hopefully getting a little smarter every day 
yeah, when I, when I started, I mean, my goal was like, how can I make $5,000 a month online? Right. Like that was my entire goal. And I had, I had some other goals, like, you know, I wanted to be able to travel and, you know, look after uh, people in my family and stuff like that. But, you know, it's like, the, I'm just trying to say your goals evolve, right? So like, you're going to, you know, if they don't evolve, you're not going to be motivated because you're going to reach that initial goal you had. And then you've got to think, well, what's, what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? And I think there's definitely a point where, it, you know, it's, it definitely stops becoming about money. And it's like, well, how can I help make other people successful? How can I help bring up the people around me? Um, even if, you know, whether they're in my company or not, how can I help, you know, create more opportunities? So it's, yeah, I don't know. You've got to stay engaged. I think on the, on the flip side, like what can happen is if you get too bored with your business and, you know, that's when I think people start going like, well, what if I could do this? What if I could do this? And like, I, I don't know. I think you've got to have that just sort of like some clear goals for where you want to go because, you know, maybe that is the right thing, like you're saying, to start these five expansion teams and go to different states. But maybe it's also the wrong thing because if what you really want is more free time, that's pro- they're probably not going to produce that, right? So, yeah, that's great. I, I think we had a note um, when we were talking before just about the idea that you you can't completely disappear, but you can't micromanage. So, like, where do you find the happy gap between? You know, I'm going to give you your space, but I'm also not going to just disappear for six months and hope that you, you know, did the did the thing. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm super. I mean, it's been awesome to be, you know, just connected enough to you guys and and see the growth and and see the, uh, you know, I think honestly, it's always been a great product. But you guys, you know, listen to people. Uh, you've built a really really great team and. You know, yeah, scale is where it's at now. You know, I think it's it's really uh, it's exciting. I'm excited to see what the next ten years bring. Was there anything else that we didn't that I didn't cover? Didn't ask you that I, I should ask you or that you want to want to mention? Uh, let me just have a quick look at my notes and see if there's anything else that I think would be useful for people. Yeah, we, I mean, we covered a lot of it. Like, yeah, hiring smart people. I think even just recently, like I brought on an executive assistant, um, Brianne. She's awesome. She's just taking off a lot of like $10 and $100 an hour tasks that I would do myself before. Yeah, it's a process of letting go. You know, you, you hinted at it a little bit then on the micromanagement. I think the more you can also be explicit with people, like, hey, I want you to handle this thing 100%. I never want to hear about it ever again. Um, any decisions that need to be made, I want you to make them. That's very clear to people. Or, hey, like, I would like you to research this, come back to me with some options, and then I'll help help choose which option to go with or just hey like well after this is done can you give it to me because i'd like a chance to provide feedback i think that's where honestly again like a weakness of mine is i'm not always super clear with people but the clearer you can be about what you want to happen um everyone is happier and at the end of the day there's a better result so i think that's one of those things you know it's like you can't just disappear especially when people are new like just expect that you're going to have to give feedback the other tip there would be give the feedback early I was having this conversation with a team leader this week and it's like someone who's very successful in their team. They've been with them for years and then now they need to give them feedback on how to do something differently. It's very hard, right? And there's, there's going to be a lot of resistance, um, but brand new agent on the team, we're going to do it this way. And, and that's, there's no other option. Like that's just what we're going to do. So yeah, I mean, the more you can just get that stuff right up front, um, but I don't know. It's a process. You know, business is just solving problems. And I think as you get, you become a bigger organization, a lot of those problems are more around people and motivation and finding the right people. 
even at a small stage, I think that's a lot of what, what business really is about, right? So yeah, the better you can get at like those soft skills and interacting with people, I don't know, it's just going to pay so much dividends. Yeah, that's great. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think that is also a really key area in real estate, you know, for real estate leaders as well is being really clear on, hey, I don't care, run with it. Or hey, if it's under 500 bucks, just do it. Um, Or I want to see a proof before you post it. Just being really, really clear about that. So I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that's, uh, that's certainly not real estate specific. That's, uh, that's part of being a being a business owner. So Dan, I really appreciate your time today. It's always great to talk to you, but uh, I, this this was especially great. I really appreciate your uh, your transparency and, and talking through all this. Cool. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy listening to Powering Real Estate, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Subscribes and reviews help other people find us and allow us to keep interviewing top industry experts. If you're looking for a customized solution for your follow-up boss account, or wanting a free assessment of your account, visit AmplifiedSolutions.com. There you can also find free resources and link with us. 